Wasn't that good? Had to show that. A lot of special pictures, a lot of special memories there that you know I'll hold with me forever. And uh, you know, one thing that I find out in, in trips like that, and and when I look back, is that God is everywhere at all times, and that He can do things that no one can even imagine, and that He had totally blown me away with all these great things that He does, and how He comes to the rescue whenever we call on Him. You know, here we are. We just realize that we're in a fix, and we're on the side of the road, and we got all these kids and all these people in that bus, and it's not going anywhere. I mean, I'm seeing parts hanging out, and I'm not a mechanic, but that don't, that's not good. And so I got other mechan- people that are mechanics that are shaking their head, Ronnie, so it wasn't, wasn't real good. And, you know, for an instant, I, I wonder what are we going to do, and then God took a hold, and he took care of it in no time. And, and in just a few minutes, we had a plan, and, and there happened to be a wonderful park, if you've seen the pictures, and, and we went there, and the kids were there. It was a five-hour delay, but they just act like they're going to have a break, you know, just Made a fun time out of it, which is what God wants us to do. You know, make the best of it. You know, you see the picture of me standing there looking at that water park. I'm thinking, hey, how can I build this? You know, this is cool. And so we, the very best can come if we just trust God. And uh, so that's what we did. And, and, and throughout that uh, video, you've seen how great it was to be a part of that ministry. And as we talked about Wednesday night, I don't want to re- uh, reiterate, but, you know, one of the greatest things, I, I got to take all these people from our church, Gail and I did, back to where we come from. And. And to share things that we knew in the churches and, and the people and to actually be in church with my sister and brother-in-law. You've seen a picture of uh, my sister was leading worship. Man, that means so much to me. Remember, it was only 12 years ago. They were here. They were waiting for God's call on their life. Remember that? In 12 years, they've been up there. and God has just grown the church and just wonderful service uh, to be in. So those are, man, those are blessings that I don't take lightly. I'm so thankful for those. And... Uh, so today we're going to talk about two plans. The first plan we're going to talk about is the world's plan, okay? And that's going to be found in 1 John it's, uh, chapter one, uh, chapter 2, verse 15. And it talks about loving the world. And you know what? That's what the devil wants us to do. He wants us to put all our treasures in the world. He wants us to, that to be the things that we love the most. But you know, the Bible warns about and has warned about forever that that's not what we need to do. Oh, dangerous thing to do about loving the world. Okay, so here we go. It says in verse 15, it says, love not the world. Not love the world, but love not the world. Neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, like I said, the devil has got this pull on us and he's trying to get us to love all these things of the world. They look so good. He makes them so appealing. He makes you think that, I need that. That's his job, and he's good at it. And you know what? It goes on to say in verse 16, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. That's the first thing we got to realize. Now, because of the worldly things, I gave them worldly names. Okay, The first one... The lust of the flesh, I'm calling worldly pleasure because what we can lust for, what we can want, we believe is going to be pleasurable to us. Again, that's what the devil's teaching us. And you know what? We look at it, and, and, and sometimes we look at it in the wrong light, and we say, boy, that would bring me pleasure. How happy I would be if I could only do that. If I could only have that. If I could only go there. If I could only experience that, I'd be happy. Does that sound like a worldly thing? It is. Worldly 
pleasure. I mean, that's the first one. That's the first one. Very, very dangerous because uh, it's about making yourself happy. Everybody wants to be happy, but we got to realize that there's a, there's a difference in the world's happiness and God's happiness. And he's got, this, he's got this set of standards that if you're in those standards, you're happy. Guarantee it. I'm happy. You know, when I got to go to, I got to, go to Cedar Point, you've seen me, the, the picture, they, that shirt they bought me, it said, best day ever. I got to go with those little Hispanic kids, and I got to experience things that it was my best day ever. I mean, I was, just to see them have all that fun. And you know what? As fun as all that was, the last 30 seconds that I was on that property was my best day of all day because this lady comes up to me and she says, I don't know if you realize this, but this absolutely was their best day in their life. They would never get to do this if it wasn't for your church. They would never experience this if it hadn't been for you guys. And that's why we did it. Because we wanted, we wanted to share with them something special from God. Because, because being able to take them and, and just let them experience how good God's grace is. And he is good. He is very good. So that's the first one. Worldly pleasure. Now the second one I call worldly measure. The lust, the lust of the eye. Uh, you know, number one, lust of the flesh, things that we want. Uh, uh, number two, worldly measure. The eyes are delighted with riches and rich possessions. This is the lust of covetousness that we want what others have. Desiring worldly objects. Now, when, years ago, I was, uh, when I was still in Indiana, we had this cookout at this guy's house who had just recently become a Christian. And he had this big farm, so we, we were invited to go over there. So our whole church went to his farm. He had a huge farm. And we're out in the middle of this big pasture, and I start looking around, and it's like a big horseshoe. And I see over here along the fence line, he's got all this stuff parked. I see over here, he's got this big, beautiful motor home. Then he's got a speedboat. Then he's got snowmobiles. Then he's got four-wheelers. Then he's got a motorcycle. Then he's got a race car. And everything I ever thought I wanted, he had it. Everything. Everything. And so I asked him, I said, Dave, are you getting ready to have a sale? And he said, no. He said, these are the things I thought would bring me pleasure. He said, before I found Jesus, this is what I was going to do, be happy. Well, so I bought the motor home. Didn't do it. So I bought the motorcycle. Didn't do it. So I bought the four-wheeler. I thought for sure. No, I didn't do it either. Even though I bought little ones for my kids, it still didn't do it. And not the snowmobiles. Not even the race car. Couldn't fill that void until I become a Christian. And you know what? When you look at it through the world's eyes... That's what we see as treasure, you know. Well, that's the way we measure things, but that's not the way God does. You know what he says, don't, don't uh, put things on earth that, you know, let not your, your uh, treasure be on earth because moss will corrupt and rust will rust away, and he's right, isn't he? You know what? You know, those things that you thought were going to make you happy, they probably didn't, and unless they're godly things. Now, they're godly things that make you happy, and Number three, the pride of life. I'm calling this worldly treasure. The pride that we have of wanting things, of, of accomplishing things, of wanting to hear applause and wanting to be the hero. And, you know, there are times that we can do things that are great for God, but if we can get out of that real easy and, and we can start to want to hear, hey, you did a great job, you know, and wow, that man, you're really good at that, and blah, blah, blah. And, and, and if you don't watch it, this, you know, Satan sneaks in and pulls you away and says, yeah, I got you. That's how quick. That's how quick it works. Know this because it happened to Eve in the Garden of Eden. This very plan 
He used uneven. Did you realize that the very thing that I just talked about, the very three things, worldly treasure, measure, and pleasure, all he used on Eve. He used the same thing. He snuck up to her one day and he said, hey, Eve, what do you see? I said, oh, I see this beautiful tree. Oh, really? What's, what's so great? Oh, man, that tree. Its fruit is wonderful. And that, you know, she saw great pleasure in that. And he said, well, what would you like to do? Well, I'd like to eat it. I'd like to have it. And he said, why don't you? And he said, oh, no, we can't touch it. We can't look at it. We can't touch it or we'll die. And Satan pulls out the very first lie ever told me. He says, you'll not die. No. You'll become just as God is. You take a bite of that, just like that. You'll be just like God. Now, boys, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, we get, sorry, it had to come out once, Steve. We, we get fooled by the devil a lot, so we got to watch for him coming. That's the big thing. we got to watch for him coming. Now, Eve said, you know, she believed this lie. He said, really? He said, yeah, you can have it. And that's the pride of life. He used these three things on Eve at the very beginning of time, and it's still working in my heart and in your heart if we don't fight it away. And I'm so glad that's not, not, that's not all there is. If that was it, we'd be in trouble. But God always said, you know, he, said, he says in his word, that I'll never get you or leave you to a place that you can't get away. There's always going to be a plan and a place for escape. There's always going to be. If you look for it, you can find it. It's going to be there, but don't give up. you got to be... Now, I, I said in the first um, service, and uh, something that really came on my heart this morning is being a Christian is not for sissies. It's not. If you're a full-blown, in-the-blood Christian that believes in Jesus Christ with all your heart and you want to serve him, you're not a sissy. You can't be. Impossible. Because there are things... They weren't in the, in the Bible days, the ones that really did what they were supposed to do, the ones that stood out, the ones that made a difference. They weren't sissies, and they're not sissies today. Those who go out and do things, I tell you, walking around and, and, and knocking on those doors in Indiana at trailer parks and stuff, man, you, it takes some kind of amount of a courage. You have to have a belief that God is with me. God has got my back no matter what I do. Now, I remember years ago, uh, 22 years exact, uh, to be exact, when God called me to Arkansas. I didn't know where Arkansas was. I had to get a map. I didn't know where it was. I'd never been here. But God told me, I want you to go to Arkansas. And I remember uh, talking to my friends at, at, at the factory that I worked at. And some of them were Christians and some of them weren't. And, and the ones that were Christians said, oh, man, I knew that God was going to do this in your life sooner or later. We knew it. And we know that you got this. And everything's going to be great. I can't wait to see what happens. And the ones that weren't Christians said, do you know what you're doing? Those people down there, they don't even wear shoes. <laughs> they chew tobacco. You're going to take those beautiful little girls you got and that little boy down there, and those girls are going to marry these guys, and they're going to be barefoot and pregnant. And you know what? I knew better than that because I know God supplies our every need. I knew that if we step out in faith, truly without looking back, that he would not only make things great, but he would have us enjoy it. Now, I can tell you from the bottom of my heart, Arkansas is my home. I love it here. I absolutely... He not only gave me a place to minister, he gave me a home that I, will, that I love. Because that's what God does. Why, why would he not? 
You know, he, he sent me here. Why would he not make it the kind of place that I would love? And he did, because he loves me. I had somebody ask me when I was home back in Indiana. They said, so you're going to retire here? <laughs> no, I don't plan on retiring anyway, but no, nah, I'm Arkansas. Well, where are you going to be buried? I said, well, it's sure not going to be up here. It's going to be down there. Because that's my home. And, you know, that's, that's the way we got to look at it, that God supplies our every need. Now, because of that, we have this great thing that we can go to, and it's in uh, Philippians. And it, it's, it's wonderful. And it starts in chapter, chapter 4, verse 8. And it, it tells us what Christians should think about. Isn't that great? But, you know, before you can think about these things, you've got to get them in here you got to incorporate them in your mind. And how do you do that? Well, you do that by doing the right things, okay? You know, by, by doing what the Bible has taught you. And if you have those things in your mind, then you can call them up when you need them. And, and you do need them all the time, constantly. Uh, it says in the Bible, the part we're going to read, it says, Think on these things. And you can't think on them if they're not there. So we're going to talk about what it is and how to get them in there. The first one, here we go, is reading the verse. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good report, if they be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things, meditate on these things, get them in your mind. And realize that's what you need to be thinking about. Now, when all these worldly treasure, measure, and pleasure come into your heart, come in and try to slip into your heart and come into your mind, what kind of defense do you have? You had this. If you've incorporated all these good things, and you do that by reading the Bible and believing in God, going to church and being inspired through music and through preaching, and you know what? Learning to praise God like we did in our, in our, our song service just now, that gives you so much in your heart. Uh, you won't know it until you need it. But if you learn to praise God, you're going to be filled. And when you're filled, it's there. Okay? And you have to open yourself up. You have to be willing to let God fill you. Now, all the worldly stuff takes some room. You've got to get rid of that. So, so you don't have to deal with that. Now, now, whenever you're in trouble, you sure don't want to have to say, God, forgive me of all those bad things I did now. Help me. You don't want to do that. You might not have time. So what you got to do is you got to try to think on the good things. Now, that first thing, true, uh, whatever's true, you know, whatever God has shown you, you know, God is the, he's the one the, that you trust, that you gauge truth on because he is truth. This is truth. This is the only truth that we have. Did you know that? I might tell you something and, and I really believe it's true and you might come and say, you know, well, that wasn't really true. You know, that thing you told me, that wasn't really, uh, really, well, I thought it was. I'm sorry. That doesn't happen with this. Never. Never. It's always true. Whatever is true, whatever's in here is true. You guys agree with that? Whatever's in here is true. That's what we got we to gotta get in our heart. You know, that verse that says, I will hide his word in my heart that I might not sin against God. It's not just for kids. It's for all of us. Because once we got it in there, we can use it the rest of our life. I'm so glad that I learned John 3.16 at the age of seven because I've used it all my life. And I think about it because I realize that he died for me and he gave his life for me. He gave his blood for me. I've never got over that. And you shouldn't because what a gift. It's not just to be thought about at Christmas time when you're thinking about giving. 
It's to be taught about every single day. What a gift. John 3, 16. He died for me. He gave his son for me. What a special thing. And that is the truth. And that's in here. The second thing is whatever things are honest, whatever things aren't fake, whatever things have proven to be true, proven to be true are godly things, godly values, godly virtues, godly things that never, ever change. God is the same today, tomorrow, and forever and ever and ever. It doesn't change. Whatever is honest, whatever is noble, whatever is steadfast and does not change. Think on these things. The third thing is whatever is pure. You know, a lot of us struggle. I know I do. The devil tries to slide these things in your heart. It's not, not, not pure. He puts these visions, these things in front of you that you have to remember that I can't think on that because that's not pure. I have to move a worldly pleasure, treasure, and measure out of my life. Forget about it, because I've got this good thing in there that I can think on, and that's called purity. And the next thing is whatever lo- things are lovely. I-, I love this because don't you love to look at lovely things? And I'm not, th- I'm not talking about lovely images, lovely people. I'm talking about there are things in this world that are lovely. When you see a mother and a, and a child and, and a father and a, a son playing sports, there, there are so many things that are just lovely, you know, just wonderful. You know, when you get to see, uh, I'm going to flash back a little, but when you get to see your son catch a touchdown in a bowl game, that's lovely to me. And I got to experience that. I'm not going to fail to give God credit for that. Never. Because to me, it was lovely. You know, he got tackled later, but pretty hard. But that particular time, and he got put in the hospital, but that particular time was lovely for me. It was wonderful. It couldn't have been any better. And you know what? I thank God for those lovely things in our life. And they're there if we look. Aren't they? I mean, you can think right now. You can think of, the, of a special thing. It might be your grandkids. It might be something you saw that was just so cool. It might be like me sometimes out on my horse in a mountain just looking up and say, wow. Not only is this great, but I'm here. I could be back in Indiana shoveling snow, but I'm here. Thank you, God. Thank you. Not only did you call me here, which I love, but you made me happy while I'm here. My, my daughter, Holly, she's the middle one, and she's always been stubborn. <clears throat> and she didn't like it when we left Indiana. She was going to move back with her grandma for a whole year. After the one year was over, Jim, she said, you know what, Dad? I think you did the right thing. It took her a year. Lucas was ready in 10 minutes, but Holly, it took a year. A year, she said, Dad, you did the right thing. Because she's starting to see God work in all of her lives, hers included. And you know what? When I sent them to Bible college in Nashville, I knew they would never live down the street from me. God had revealed that to me and had this thing in my heart. I knew that they weren't going to be living down the street from me. I knew my grandkids weren't going to be coming over to my house every day like mine did, my mom. Because when I took them down there, I knew that God was going to use them. I knew that they were going to meet a godly husband and they were going to be gone somewhere else. And that's exactly what happened. You know what? It was worth it because they're serving God. And there's sometimes we have to realize that we have to, we have to make that first step. We have to realize that God's plan and God's will is, more, is better than ours. It's more important than ours. And we can even get joy from it. You know, I've, I've been able to go to church with both my kids and, and uh, both my daughters and, and get to actually do things in both their churches. And, and, and to look up and see them working in a church or uh, having a part of their church there's, there's something that's lovely about that. There's something that's special about that. And it, what it does, again, it amazes me, God's plan. You know, it's 
22 years ago, I didn't have a clue. God did. Wasn't anything for him. And the last thing, anything of good report. Spoken well of. We are to be drawn to the things that are pleasing to God. Thus they making them of good report. Things that please God. Those things that are virtuous. Again, we have to, we have to make sure that we're not thinking on the wrong things. Think on these things. Think on the right things. Think on godly things. When I was in Indiana a couple weeks ago, when we were on our way up to the, uh, the Nationals, I went a couple days early for one reason. I have a lost friend up there. His name is Frank. And if, if you saw the picture of Gail and Katrina and, and uh, Cherry up there, there was this guy off to the back. I don't know if you've seen it or not, but that's my friend Frank. It just, I had called him, and I said, Frank, come up and, 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 and meet us. At, at, at our carnival, because I want to show you what we're doing, and I want to introduce you to some people in my church. So he came, and he was actually in that picture, which was really pretty, pretty wild. And, and uh, so I went up to see him, because he's, he's, he goes to church every week. They just built a church, his family, but he's lost. Dangerous, dangerous place to be. So I go over to Frank's house, and he takes me, of course. I had Mason with me. To, he takes us to the church and shows us the building. He's just so proud of it. His son's the pastor. His kids are just worship leaders, and he's happy. He thinks. He shows me this big old place. It's almost done. Now it is done, and they're in it. And he, he shows it to me, and he's talking about it, and we're on our way back to his house. And when we get there, he's starting to go in the house, and I, I know he's going to get in there and start talking about horses and stuff that we used to, all the things we used to do. And I said, hey, Frank, let's go sit on the porch. And I'd already told Mason, I said, when we get back to the house, make yourself scarce. Leave. <laughs> go look at something. So we did. And uh, Frank's wife caught on to what I was doing, and she left us alone. We went on the front porch, and, and uh, Frank just found out a few weeks ago that he has terrible lung cancer, and that they're going to have to operate and take part of his lung out. And, and I said, Frank, I'm really concerned about this sickness. I'm really concerned about this cancer. Uh, he said, well, he said, I, I, I believe everything's going to be all right. And I said, well, you know, do you? I said, if you, if, if you died, do you know where you'd go? Would you go to heaven? He said, no. I said, why is it, Frank? He said, and he says this every time. It just drives me crazy. He says, I believe when it's going to happen, it'll happen. I said, well, that's a really good lie. The devil's got you convinced of, isn't it? Because it said there's nowhere in the world in the Bible that says that. So this is the truth, Frank. So this is where it comes from. The Bible doesn't say that it's just going to happen. Never. It says when you seek me, you will find me. And there's a little bit more. When you seek me with all your heart. Frank, you're not doing that, are you? He said, no. I said, Frank, I love you. You're the closest thing I've got to a dad on this earth. I don't want to see you go to hell. I said, you need to realize that you have to seek God with all your heart. And, you know, he went ahead and, and did the, and, but But we did something that we never did before. I never did, Jim. I said, Frank, could I pray for you? I didn't know if he'd let me. But you know, I, I reached over and I put my hand on his shoulder, and he reached over and put his hand on my shoulder. He didn't say anything, but I think there's still a chance. Because right before that, I said, Frank, how long has it been? You go to church every Sunday. How long has it been until you felt something? Felt something in your heart? He said the most sad word. He said, it's been a long long time and it scared me to death so when he put his hand over my shoulder to me that was 
Maybe he hasn't completely got his heart so hard that God cannot reach down and touch him. Now, the Bible says you get saved when the, when the Lord speaks to you. And, you know, you can't just call out all if, if, if God is not calling. And so Frank went ahead and had the surgery on Wednesday, and, and they had to take a whole bunch of his lung out. And, and he was doing pretty good on Thursday but, and Friday, but yesterday he had a terrible day. In fact, it got so bad they wasn't sure he was going to live. His uh, blood pressure dropped and everything went bad. bad. He didn't know who he was. He got confused. He couldn't walk. And all these bad things started happening to him. And, and so they, you know, they got a hold of me, and I started praying. And they told me last night they got him stabilized. But you know what? I told Frank before I left, I said, you know, before, they said, you're 75 years old, Frank. You haven't got another minute, guaranteed. That was before cancer. So now you have cancer. you got to be doing something about this. And you know what? That's the way it is with all of us. You know, we're not promised anything. You know, we're not promised any time. And all of us have people that we know are lost. All of us have people, friends, neighbors, uh, relatives that are lost. I have an uncle in Michigan that's, that just had a stroke, and he's lost. And, you know, I'm praying for him. But he's going to have to do something. He's 76. And you know what? Uh, today, as, as I end this message, I want you to just... Look, you know, just challenge yourself to look at your heart and see what's in there. You know, are you able to be where you need to be uh, in, in your mind? Is everything, all these virtues, are they instilled in there? If so, who are you praying for that's like Frank? And are you, I, I've had to challenge myself because there are days I, 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 I forgot about him. And I've been so ashamed because he needs me now more than he's ever needed me. He needs my prayers now or he's going to go to hell. If we don't continue to pray for our friends and loved ones that are like that, they're not going to make it to heaven. You know, as, uh, as we get ready for the music now and, and how we uh, instruments come up or however we're doing that, um, I want you to just think about, uh, you know, there might be somebody today that's never asked Jesus in their heart or that there's been this void between you and God. Because, because you've let a little thing, some things slip into your life. And, 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 and little things like staying home and from church or maybe not reading your Bible. Little things that's brought a distance between you and God. Well, the great thing about that is it's not too late because you're still breathing. That's the wonderful thing. And you know what I found out? I found out from a children's pastor perspective that living as a Christian is just like living your life like you just woke up. You get it, Freddie? Like you just woke up. When I wake up in the morning, when I just wake up, and I look around, I'm nearly perfect. Jim, I haven't done anything bad to anybody. I haven't been rude to Gail. I haven't insulted anybody. I haven't did anything wrong yet. I'm just laying there. And I believe that's the way you live your life, like you just woke up. Because the Bible says he makes his mercy new every morning. If I can just make it through, he'll give me another shot tomorrow. So thankful for that, aren't you? Would you stand with us as we, have, as we begin the invitation today? If you need to come and pray, maybe you need to pray for those virtues. Maybe you need to pray that your heart be stronger, that you pray harder for that friend. I know I need to.